Section 16 of A Visit to the Holy Land. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 8 of A Visit to the Holy Land, Egypt and Italy, Part 2. By Ida L. Pfeiffer. In Jerusalem, almost all the women and girls wear veils when they go abroad. It was only in church, and in their own houses, that I had an opportunity of fairly seeing these houris. Among the girls I found many an interesting head, but the women who have attained the age of twenty-six or twenty-eight years already look worn and ugly, so that here, as in all tropical countries, we behold a great number of very plain faces, among which handsome ones shine forth at long intervals like meteors. Thin people are rarely met with in Syria. On the contrary, even the young girls are frequently decidedly stout. Not far from the bazaar is a great hall, wherein the Turks hold their judicial sittings, decide disputes, and pass sentences on criminals. Some ordinary-looking divans are placed round the interior of this hall, and in one corner a wooden cell, about ten feet long, six feet wide, and eight feet high, has been erected. This cell, furnished with a little door and a grated hole by way of a window, is intended for the reception of the criminal during his period of punishment. Throughout the thirteen days I passed at Jerusalem, I did not find the heat excessive. The thermometer generally stood in the shade at from twenty degrees to twenty-two degrees, and in the sun at twenty-eight degrees, rimmer, very seldom reaching thirty degrees. Fruit I saw none, with the exception of the little apricots called mishmish, which are not larger than a walnut, but nevertheless have a very fine flavor. It is a pity that the inhabitants of these countries contribute absolutely nothing towards the cultivation and improvement of their natural productions. If they would but exert themselves, many a plant would doubtless flourish luxuriantly. But here the people do not even know how to turn these gifts to advantage which nature has bestowed upon them in rich profusion, and of superior quality, for instance, olives. Worse oil can hardly be procured than that which they give you in Syria. The Syrian oil and olives can scarcely be used by Europeans. The oil is of a perfectly green color, thick and disgusting alike to the smell and taste. The olives are generally black, a consequence of the negligent manner in which they are prepared. The same remark holds good with regard to the wine, which would be of excellent quality if the people did but understand the proper method of preparing it, and of cultivating the vineyards. At present, however, they adulterate their wine with a kind of herb, which gives it a very sharp and disagreeable taste. On the whole, the neighborhood of Jerusalem is very desolate, barren, and sterile. I found the town itself neither more nor less animated than most Syrian cities. I should depart from truth if I were to say, with many travelers, that it appeared as though a peculiar curse rested upon this city. The whole of Judea is a stony country, and this region contains many places with environs as rugged and barren as those of Jerusalem. Birds and butterflies are rarely seen at the present season of the year, not only in the neighborhood of Jerusalem, but throughout the whole of Syria. Where, indeed, could a butterfly or bee find nourishment, while not a flower nor a blade of grass shoots up from the stony earth? And a bird cannot live where there are neither seeds nor insects, but must soar away across the seas to cooler and more fertile climes. Not only here, but throughout the whole of Syria, I missed the delightful minstrels of the air. 
The sparrow alone can find sustenance everywhere, for he lives in towns and villages, wherever man is seen. A whole flock of these little twittering birds woke me every morning. I was as yet much less troubled by insects than I had anticipated. With the exception of the small flies on the plain of Sharon, and of certain little sable jumpers which seem naturalized throughout the whole world, I could not complain of having been annoyed by any creature. Our common house-flies I saw everywhere, but they were not more numerous or more troublesome than in Germany. To travel with any degree of security in Palestine, Phoenicia, etc., it is necessary to go in large companies, and in some places it even becomes advisable to have an escort. The stranger should further be provided with cooking utensils, provisions, tents, and servants. To provide all these things would have been a hopeless task for me. I had, therefore, resolved to return from Jerusalem as I had come, namely, via Joppa, and so to proceed to Alexandria or Beirut, when luckily for me the gentlemen whom I have already mentioned arrived at Jerusalem. They intended making several excursions by land, and the first of these was to be a trip to the banks of the Jordan and to the Dead Sea. I ardently wished to visit these places, and therefore begged the gentlemen, through Father Paul, to permit my accompanying them on their arduous journey. The gentlemen were of the opinion that their proposed tour would be too fatiguing for one of my sex, and seemed disinclined to accede to my request. But then Count Vratislav took my part, and said that he had watched me during our ride from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, and had noticed that I wanted neither courage, skill, nor endurance, so that they might safely take me with them. Father Paul immediately came to me with the joyful intelligence that I was to go, and that I had nothing to do but to provide myself with a horse. He particularly mentioned how kindly Count Vratislav, to whom I still feel obliged, had interested himself in my behalf. The journey to the Jordan and the Dead Sea should never be undertaken by a small party. The best and safest course is to send for some Arab or Bedouin chiefs, either at Jerusalem or Bethlehem, and to make a contract with them for protection. In consideration of a certain tribute, these chiefs accompany you in person, with some of their tribe, to your place of destination and back again. The counts paid the two chiefs three hundred piastres, with the travelling expenses for themselves and their twelve men. At three o'clock in the afternoon of the seventh of June, our cavalcade started. The caravan consisted of the four counts, Mr. Bartlett, a certain Baron Vraid, two doctors, and myself, besides five or six servants, and the two chiefs with the bodyguard of twelve Arabs. All were strongly armed with guns, pistols, swords, and lances, and we really looked as though we sallied forth with the intention of having a sharp skirmish. Our way lay through the Via de la Rosa, and through St. Stephen's Gate, past the Mount of Olives, over hill and dale. Everywhere the scene was alike barren. At first we still saw many fruit-trees and olive-trees in bloom, and even vines, but of flowers or grass there was not a trace. The trees, however, stood green and fresh, in spite of the heat of the atmosphere and total lack of rain. This luxuriance may partly be owing to the coolness and dampness which reigns during the night in tropical countries, quickening and renewing the whole face of nature. The goal of our journey for today lay about eight miles distant from Jerusalem. It was the Greek convent of St. Saba in the waste. The appellation already indicates that the region around becomes more and more sterile, 
until at length not a single tree or shrub can be detected. Throughout the whole expanse not the lowliest human habitation was to be seen. We only passed a horde of Bedouins, who had erected their sooty black tents in the dry bed of a river. A few goats, horses, and asses climbed about the declivities, laboriously searching for herbs or roots. About half an hour before we reach the convent we enter upon the wilderness, in which our Saviour fasted forty days, and was afterwards tempted of the devil. Vegetation here entirely ceases, not a shrub nor a root appears, and the bed of the brook Cedron is completely dry. This river only flows during the rainy season, at which period it runs through a deep ravine. Majestic rocky terraces, piled one above the other by nature with such exquisite symmetry that the beholder gazes in silent wonder, overhang both banks of the stream in the form of galleries. A silence of death brooded over the whole landscape, broken only by the footfalls of our horses echoing sullenly from the rocks, among which the poor animals struggled heavily forward. At intervals some little birds fluttered above our heads, silently and fearfully, as though they had lost their way. At length we turn sharply round an angle of the road, and what a surprise awaits us! A large, handsome building, surrounded by a very strong fortified wall, pierced for cannon in several places, lies spread before us near the bed of the river, and rises in the form of terraces towards the brow of the hill. From the position we occupied we could see over the whole extent of wall from without and from within. Fortified as it was, it lay open before our gaze. Several buildings, and in front of all a church with a small cupola, told us plainly that St. Saba lay stretched below. On the farther bank, seven or eight hundred paces from the convent, rose a single square tower, apparently of great strength. I little thought that I should soon become much better acquainted with this isolated building. The priests had observed our procession winding down the hill, and at the first knocking the gate was opened. Masters, servants, Arabs, and Bedouins all passed through, but when my turn came, the cry was, Shut the gate! And I was shut out, with the prospect of passing the night in the open air, a thing which would have been rather disagreeable, considering how unsafe the neighborhood was. At length, however, a lay-brother appeared, and pointing to the tower, gave me to understand that I should be lodged there. He procured a ladder from the convent, and went with me to the tower, where we mounted by its aid to a little, low doorway of iron. My conductor pushed this open, and we crept in. The interior of the tower seemed spacious enough. A wooden staircase led us farther upwards to two tiny rooms, situated about the center of the tower. One of these apartments, dimly lighted by the rays of a lamp, contained a small altar, and served as a chapel, while the second was used as a sleeping-room for female pilgrims. A wooden divan was the only piece of furniture this room contained. My conductor now took his leave, promising to return in a short time with some provisions, a bolster, and a coverlet for me. So now I was at least sheltered for the night, and guarded like a captive princess by bolt and bar. I could not even have fled had I wished to do so, for my leader had locked the creaking door behind him, and had taken away the ladder. After carefully examining the chapel and my neatly furnished apartment in this dreary prison-house, I mounted the staircase, and gained the summit of the tower. Here I had a splendid view of the country round about, my elevated position enabling me distinctly to trace the greater part of the desert, 
with its several rows of hills and mountains skirting the horizon. All these hills were alike barren and naked. Not a tree nor a shrub, not a human habitation could I discover. Silence lay heavily on everything around, and it seemed to me almost as though no earth might here nourish a green tree, but that the place was ordained to remain a desert, as a lasting memorial of our Saviour's fasting. Unheeded by human eye, the sun sank beneath the mountains. I was, perhaps, the only mortal here who was watching its beautiful declining tints. Deeply moved by the scene around me, I fell on my knees to offer up prayers and praise to the Almighty, here in the rugged grandeur of the desert. But I had only to turn away from the death-like silence, and to cast my eye towards the convent as it lay spread, out before me, to view once more the bustle and turmoil of life. In the courtyard the Bedouins and Arabs were employed in ministering to the wants of their horses, bringing them water and food. Beyond these a group of men was seen spreading out mats on the ground, while others, with their faces bowed to the earth, were adoring, with other forms of prayer, the omnipotent spirit whose protection I had so lately invoked. Others, again, were washing their hands and feet as a preparation for offering up their worship. Priests and lay brethren passed hastily across the courtyard, busied in preparations for entertaining and lodging the numerous guests, while some of my fellow-travellers stood apart, in earnest conversation, and Mr. B. and Count Salem Reiferscheidt reclined in a quiet spot and made sketches of the convent. Had a painter been standing on my tower, what a picture of the building might he not have drawn as the wild Arab and the thievish Bedouin leant quietly beside the peaceful priest and the curious European? Many a pleasant recollection of this evening I have borne away with me. I was very unwilling to leave the battlements of the tower, but the increasing darkness at length drove me back into my chamber. Shortly afterwards a priest and a lay-brother appeared, and with them Mr. Bartlett. The priest's errand was to bring me my supper and bedding, and my English fellow-traveller had kindly come to inquire if I would have a few servants as a guard, as it must be rather a dreary thing to pass a night quite alone in that solitary tower. I was much flattered by Mr. Bartlett's politeness to a total stranger, but summoning all my courage replied that I was not in the least afraid. Thereupon they all took their leave, I heard the door creak, the bolt was drawn, and the ladder removed, and I was left to my meditations for the night. After a good night's rest I rose with the sun, and had been waiting some time before my warder appeared with the coffee for my breakfast. He afterwards accompanied me to the convent gate, where my companions greeted me with high praises. Some of them even confessed that they would not like to pass a solitary night as I had done. End of section 16